We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. desire and our hope and the reason we are here today is this church is to enthrone you once again not that you've moved not that you have shifted but we recognize that you are on your throne May you be exalted, not just from our praises here, but a thousand generations. Jesus, may you this morning, today, in our church and in our lives, may you be exalted. May you be lifted up. May you be enthroned in the seat of our hearts today. We love you. We give you this morning. We give you this time as we open up your word. May you take the words on these pages and may you illuminate by your Holy Spirit your truth. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. So, you know, um, worship team, I don't know how much they take like requests, but they did take that request from me. Joe said, hey, are there any songs? That, that, that is one of my favorite songs. Um, what a beautiful picture of worship around the throne uh, and uh, worship not only here this morning, but the worship that we get to do forever and ever. And uh, just, it's a beautiful song. It's good to be with you. My name is Paul. If you don't know me, and I get to serve here as part of the gathering. And um, it is a joy to open up God's Word with you this morning. Uh, If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we have started a series in the book of, does anybody know? Well, you guys are on top of it this morning. Exactly right. We are in Romans this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 3. We're going to get right at it this morning. Romans chapter 3. We're going to pick up right where we left off. Uh, 
let's do a really quick, fast, thousand-foot view recap of where we've been these last few weeks, okay? So chapters 1 and 2, the writer Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, talks about, and he, he starts off really fuzzy and warm. He says, the wrath of God is coming, right? Yay, you know, that, that, that just really stirs our hearts. The wrath of God is coming. Paul goes on to, to say, right, that he's writing to the Jews in Rome. And he's, he go, goes on to say that the wrath of God, those that are condemned, are not just everyone else. But he says, guess what? The Jews, the people that I'm writing to, they are also, both Jew and Greek, are condemned under the law. And what we're about to see this morning in chapter 3, verses 9 to 20, is that the Apostle Paul uh, continues beating this particular drum, and he won't stop there. This this is a theme throughout the whole book that Paul is going to be repeating again and again. So Romans chapter 3 Verses 9 to 20 is our text for this morning. If you're taking notes, um, I had a little bit of fun with our, with, with our three points. Our three points for this morning. They're going to be up here on the screen, on the wall here. Uh, so if you're going to follow, take, take notes. Point, point one, no one is righteous. Point two, the law reveals and then point three, if you're on this side, sorry, my big head is in the way. Point, point three is good works, good luck, great news. Okay? Good works, great luck, good news. Would you stand with me this morning as we read to honor God's Word, Romans 3, verses 9 to 20. Paul continues on and he says this, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have all already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Verse 13, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. And verse 20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So God, I pray that you would once again open up our hearts and our minds, your living and breathing perfect word. Would you use it, God, to change us, to transform us, to renew our minds this morning? We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
All right, a lot of great stuff this morning, so we're going to jump right in. Take your eyes right back to verse 9, okay? Verse 9, Paul continues, he starts out with this question, and Paul continues three things here, this culturally, historically, and spiritually bold argument. Right? He starts off with this question. Right, We've already talk, talked about both Jews and Greeks are condemned under the law. Right, They are doomed according to the perfect standard righteousness of, of God. But Paul's like, you know what, let's keep going on this thing. Because I want to make sure, I want to understand that you get this. Okay, Are Jews any better off? Why is this culturally, historically, and spiritually bold? What, what's going on here? Well, we, we have to take into consideration again, who is Paul writing to, right? The Jews in Rome, okay, to the church. Um, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the Jews are God's chosen, right? He set them apart from the beginning of time, and, and he, he selected them. He cho- chose them. And so the question, as they're receiving this, are Jews better off? That is a very valid question. That is understandable, right? It it would make sense for Paul to ask that. Because if you're a Jew, you're going, well, heck yeah, we are. (laughs) You know, we are God's chosen, right? We received, if you look at verse 3 in chapter 3, right? We receive the oracles of God. We are the people that receive the revelation of God. In fact, the king of the Jews, the king of the universe was born to us, right? We're kind of special. Paul makes it really awkward all of a sudden. He goes, are, are Jews better off? And a resounding what? All right, church. I'm going to ask it again. Are Jews better off? Exactly right. No, they are not better off, right? We've already said chapters 1 and 2, Jews and Greeks are under sin. They are condemned. Okay? Really important that Paul says, no, they are under sin, they are condemned. Now what's interesting here too is when we understand who Paul is, right? Paul calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, okay? Paul's not just throwing shade at the Jews, okay? He's saying, hey, I'm kind of I'm kind of throwing myself in here to this conversation, right? Paul is pointing the finger at himself first. He's not just saying, yeah, Jews, I'm talking about you. No, no, he's saying, hey, (laughs) this starts with me. I'll be the first in line. You don't need to turn there, but if we look at Philippians Chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. It'll be up, 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 up here on the screen. Paul describes himself, okay? And not, not only as a Jew, but his experience, uh, his life up to this point, up to the point where Jesus, right, got a hold of his life, that conversion, right? Paul describes himself in this, this way. If there's anyone who might be Better off, Paul is saying, it would be me. Okay, look look, look with me. Though I myself have no reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, 
I have more. Okay, this is Paul kind of like, you need to understand who I was before Jesus got a hold of me. Circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Okay, let's summarize that. What the heck is Paul saying, saying there? Paul is ba- basically saying, if there's anyone who has a reason, confidence in the flesh, a reason to answer yes to the, am I better off? Okay, it would be me. Okay, I am a Jew of Jews. I'm a Pharisee, a Pharisee. In terms of the law, I kept it about as good as anyone could. Paul is basically saying, I was the best at it, okay? But I was also the worst. I was the best by worldly religious standards of thinking that by somehow, if I just keep the letter of the law, that somehow God will approve and love and accept me. If that are your terms, yes, I was the best, but according to the gospel... I'm the worst. So Paul is pointing the finger at himself. Look with me at verse 10. Okay, This is kind of, kind of Paul's argument, more of a description of what, of what we mean by um, do, do we think we're better off. Okay, In verse 10, Paul begins to quote various Old Testament passages describing humanity. This is Paul's way of saying, okay, Jews, um, do you really think you're not guilty? Do you really think that you don't fall short of the glory of God, the perfection of God? Okay, let let me just give you a very short list (laughs) of of who we are at our core, all right? So look look with me me here. Uh, take, Take your eyes to verse 10. He says it again, as it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they've become worthless. No one is good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps, which is a, a, I had to look it up, an Egyptian cobra, gross, I almost showed a picture of it to Becca, but she would have lost her mind. The, the, their mouth is full of curses, their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, the way of peace they have not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. Okay? Essentially, this is mankind's resume. Paul lays out the depravity of us all. Okay, if we were to, again, summarize this resume of mankind, here's what it might sound like. I, I have it up here on the screen, okay? Mankind is unrighteous, verse 10. Self-seeking, verse 11. Worthless, verse 12. Deceitful and bitter. Speaks poisonous, deadly words. We are violent, verse 15, miserable and destructive. 
Zero knowledge and understanding of true peace. And maybe the worst of all, prideful. Started in the garden, right? Doesn't that just, oh yeah, mm, warm and fuzzy. We just feel good about ourselves this morning. I mean, that list alone right there, okay? Now, that's you, that's me, that's us. This is the really bad news, okay? But um, we hear arguments all of the time. And I, I, in fact, I was, I forget what I was watching the other day. But we hear this argument, we hear comments like this all the time. You know, for the most part, hum, we're, as, you know, we're, humans are pretty good. You know, like we're decent, we're moral. I mean, there's a couple kooks out there. But for the most part, we're not all that bad. Raise your hand if you've heard that from some, 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 somebody before. No, we are not. We are not good. <laughs> we are not decent. We're not even moral. Okay? Just flick on the news for like a second. Okay? We are, we are not good. We're not moral. We are not de- de- decent. This list alone describes who we are at our core. If we are left to ourselves. But praise God, he has not left us to ourselves. Church, I want to just pause right here. And I know it's like words on a page. It's like, okay, Old Testament, none is righteous, no, not one. I've heard that. We're bitter and we're violent and we shed blood. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever actually shed, but I hope I haven't shed blood. And, um, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if all of these necessarily apply to me. Have you ever lied? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever said a nasty word? I mean, I go on and on, okay? The reality is, is none is righteous. No, not one. Right? And we must wrestle, church. We must deal. I think Mike or somebody said it a week or two two ago. If we don't wrestle with our own depravity and embrace it, not like, oh, it's so great, but we, we must come to the reality of who we are before a holy God. And if we don't do that, we will not understand the sweetness of his mercy. We must come to grips. And you're like, yeah, I, I, did, I did that several years ago when, when I gave, gave, gave my life to Christ. But if you're here today and you're saying, I just don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm okay. Let's continue. Look with me at verse 19 and 20. Okay? Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. 20, please get this, church. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law 
comes knowledge of what? Of knowledge of sin. If you are a highlighter, if you're an underliner, if you're a circler, if you are a memorizer, I want you to take verse 20, okay? And I want you to underline it, highlight it, memorize it, okay? For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. No human being. That's pretty inclusive, right? (laughs) Encompasses everyone, okay? In fact, Paul says five times, no one. Three times, all. He uses the phrases, not even one or not a single one. Paul is very clear, not mincing words. All have fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous no, not one. This no human being, very inclusive. Keeping the law will justify no one. Okay? No good deed, no list of accomplishments will stack up against God's perfect standard of righteousness. There is nothing in and of ourselves that we can do to please God. No human being is justified by simply keeping the law. Why? This is a big one. Why? Why, Paul? Why can't I just do what God has told me to do, try to, try to not mess up, try to not screw up, do all the right things, walk the old lady across the street? Okay, why, why, why can't I just, just do that within myself, do the very best that I can? Why can't God accept that? Right? Well, it says a lot to what the law is, the function of the law itself. Why? Look again at the end of 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Some people think that keeping the law, I'm sorry, the law is something to be kept. Right? Like that's what the purpose of the law was. God gave the law so that we would just do the do's and don'ts and like he would be so happy with us. That is not the purpose or the function of the law. The law gives us knowledge of just how messed up we are. Right? The law reveals our resume. How fallen and broken we are. How depraved we are. How much we fall short. This is a repeated theme. Or to use Paul's words, a resounding gong. (laughs) That Paul keeps pounding and hammering throughout this entire book. So we read Romans 3.20. You don't need to turn there, but Romans 5.20. I love what Romans 5.20 says in the New Living Translation. It's up up here on the screen. Romans 5.20 says this, God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. Simple, right? (laughs) You know, like God gave gave, gave us the law. And And it's a call to holiness, but he knew God knew that it's impossible to fulfill the law. It's impossible to do that on our own strength. But it was given to show us 
how broken and messed up we are and how in need of Him we are that we literally can't do what He's called us to do. We, we, we can't do it in and of ourselves and our own strength. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. So, Josh already point, pointed it out, but uh, I have a little illustration this morning. You might have heard this or seen the, 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 this before. Uh, we all know what a bathroom scale is. When was the last time you stood on it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Some, 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 some of you were like, man, I'd have to you know, blow the dust off. It's right. It's staring at me. Every Becca's positioned this really well in our ba- bathroom. I'm not going to read into that. But um, it, it, it's there. And uh, question for us this morning. When we think about a bathroom scale, okay, can your bathroom scale help you to lose weight? Think about it for a second. Trick question. Can your bathroom scale, this object, can it help you to lose weight? It can be a great motivator, but in and of itself, this, I don't even know what's inside, this thing, it lies. Okay, whatever's in here, this object can't actually help you to lose weight. When you look down at it and you stand on that thing, you know, and you're like, <laughs> you know, it reveals the ugliness. At least for me. It reveals the ugliness. It shows us the reality of things. Not like what we want them to, 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 to be, but how they actually are. Okay? So, the law is a lot like a bathroom scale. That's what the law does. When you look into the perfect and accurate law, you realize that you fall short. That's the function of the law. Uh, have, you, have you guys ever watched a movie and uh, it abruptly comes to an end. And you're totally caught off guard and you're wishing it would have ended differently, right? Or you're something, you're gonna like, oh, I, I don't forget what it, what it was. Beck and I were watching a movie a few weeks ago and they're like, oh, this is getting so good. And then it goes black. <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is clearly a dramatic pause. And then those credits begin to scroll up, and you're like, no, you, you, you know, we're like, no way is it over. This is not how it's supposed to end. Please tell me this is not the end, right? That's how you might be feeling right now. Like, okay. The title of this message was the really good bad news. So far, Paul, all I'm hearing is the really bad news. Right? This is not fun. This is not, I, I, I don't want to walk out of here this morning going, what was that all about? It's reminded how crappy I am. You know, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to stop there. So basically what you're saying is, okay, so if I'm hearing you right, Paul, 
basically what I'm saying is, or what you're saying is, is that there is nothing that I can do in and of myself to please God. There is nothing in and of myself to be accepted by God, to be saved. And I would say, bango, right? Bingo, that, that is the answer. That is the really good news. There is nothing that you can do apart from the mercy and the grace of God to save yourself. That, this is the bad news, and it's not just good news, it's great news, because it reveals, here's what it re- reveals, okay? It reveals that salvation and freedom don't come from trying harder. It comes through surrender. I had a conversation with a, a, a dad of our baseball team, and um, you know, I, 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 I asked him. You know, we talked about our what we think of God is the most important thing about us. Right? Our, our, our view of who God is will dictate everything. And his response was, well, I, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope I'm just living a good enough life. That was his response. And in my heart, I'm going, I need to pray. I need to pray. Because he needs to understand and hear the good news that it's not about trying harder. <laughs> it's about surrender. It's about giving up. It's about laying it down and saying, God, I can't do this. And I need you. Right? It's about keeping, it's not about keeping the law. It's about letting go and allowing Christ to take over. So there is a, uh, how many of you are familiar with the term spoken word? Okay, so it's like a popular kind of poetry um, art that we see online. And uh, there is an artist, uh, his, his real name will be up here on, 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 on the screen. But uh, his stage name is Propaganda, and he's, he has uh, a poetry slam. Uh, I won't do it for you this, mor- this morning but I will read it, Uh, and the title of this particular one is called Gospel, and he addresses, of course, sin head on, and I want to just read a portion of this for you this morning, okay? It goes something like this, short and sweet, the problem is sin, yes, sin, it's a cancer, an asthma, Choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Heap up your good deeds. Chant, pray, and meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. 
But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. That's like pass your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. Here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix your self. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. This is what makes the bad news great. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Church, the great news is not about trying harder. It's about dying to yourself, dying to the fight of trying to justify yourself before God, trying to be good enough, trying to save yourself when Jesus has already done that for you. If you're here this morning and you're hearing this really bad good news, <laughs> okay, I can't fix my, myself, but Jesus can. It's not about trying harder, it's about surrender. If you're here this morning and you've never come to the place of surrendering your life to God and saying, God, I, I've been trying really hard for a long time and I am exhausted. Anyone and everyone who puts their faith and trust in Christ, in Christ alone, can stand in full confidence of his forgiveness. See full access to return to perfect unity with God by simply believing and tr trusting in Christ and Christ alone. That is the gospel. So praise God that, uh, like that movie, <laughs> Paul doesn't end the letter here. In fact, the chapter is not even done. Um, but I want to just give you a few word teaser for next week, right? This dramatic pause. We can't save ourselves. Next week, Paul begins with these beautiful words. But now, the righteousness of God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we praise you today. We glorify you. 
I thank you that like that story in the prodigal son that you are a father that is not far off you don't you don't wait for us to come to you you are a passionate pursuing father you sent your son to this earth to take our place so that we didn't have to try harder just recognize our ultimate need for you. So Lord, I, I pray for everyone here and I pray for, for, for those who have never taken that step, who have never surrendered their life. Who just come to the place of saying, I'm, I'm just tired, I'm exhausted, I don't want to try harder anymore. Jesus, I need you. pray for that one that they would come to you that they would seek someone out even here this morning you are here with open arms so we thank you Lord we thank you for your great love for us thank you for your grace and your mercy and forgiveness this in your name. Amen.